This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 116. Which is an interesting way to start, you know, like who would say that watching some man hit his wife in the street would make them think of counterterrorism. But I was already studying politics and justice, and this was just a really in topic. After that, I finished my master's degree, moved home to Los Angeles, was carrying my torch, thought that I would be in the CIA in no time. And then I learned that it takes about a year and change to get into the government once you go through a security clearance process, which is really uh, intense process. From there, I just sort of started applying for any old job that I could get, and it really just lowered my standards. And it was a really devastating time to put so much money, time, and heart into my education, only to find out, like so many other people, that it wasn't going to translate for me right now into that job that I thought I deserved, that I thought was possible for me. I was petrified, and I didn't have financial support outside of myself. So doing the math, I really had about eight weeks before I would run out of money. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. I am Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career. This is the show that helps you figure out what work fits you. We do this by exploring other people's stories where we get to bring on experts like Greg Faxon, guy who helps entrepreneurs build businesses with impact, or people who have really amazing stories like Steve Curdy, who invented the perfect business for him. And if you go back into the into the archives, you'll see exactly what I mean and how that's not just play on words. But people also, just like you, who've gone from where they where they where they're where they're at right now to what they really want to be doing. And they're people that are just like our next guest, Ashley Stahl. And I want you to listen to this this conversation that I had with Ashley, because when you do, you're going to hear how your unique strengths might be hiding right under your nose. Ashley explains how it took several of her friends telling her the same thing over and over before she seriously considered becoming a coach in the first place. And also why what you do when your life changes and what your life looks like, it's really all up to you to decide. And that's obviously what we spend a lot of time talking about here on the HDYC podcast. But I want you to have a really compelling example of that. So Ashley and I spend some time talking about that. And also, you'll see why it's never too late to change your course and how holding on to a plan for the sake of having a plan, even when it's not working, really is just well, quite frankly, it's a it's a terrible thing to do. So that and a bunch more. Ashley, though, a little bit about her her. Well, she's she's got a very interesting story. She went to went to work convinced that the CIA would be the right thing for her, and eventually, after she had in hand the job she thought she wanted, finally was there and decided that you know what. It just wasn't for her. It wasn't really what she was actually all about. So you're going to hear that and more. Without further ado, here you go on the H2IC podcast, my conversation with Ashley Stahl. Ashley, I am super excited to have you on the show today and and to make this happen. Uh, this, has been, this has been a long time coming, but welcome to Happen to Your Career. Thank you so much, Scott. I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah, and I, uh, we were just, uh, you know, before we hit the record button and everything, uh, joking that uh, one of my favorite things about doing this is I get to, uh, I get to choose who, who's on the show and who's not. And I was really super excited to to chat with you because you've got you've got a pretty cool story. It's a pretty out there story. I feel like not the average, not the average business story, but I'm definitely proud to wave my freak flag and share who I am. <laughs> so it, I. It, but there's a freak flag. I like that. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to start though with as you got into, as you got out of, out of school and started thinking about what it was that you wanted to do and moving into that, uh, that first, first real job opportunity for you in particular. Mm-hmm. Let's just start what there. it was like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I can even go just a, a tiny bit earlier than that. I, 
in 2008, I was living abroad and I was studying Middle Eastern politics. I was super interested in what was happening in the world. I found it really, really fascinating. And there's this moment that I talk about every now and again that really changed my whole perspective, which was when I was living in France, I came across this couple and we were the only people in the street on one really rainy Sunday in the small town called Nantes. And the man, I think the husband, um, he hit his wife across the face and, you know, the wife was carrying a baby in her arms. And I'll never really forget that moment of watching that abuse and not really knowing what to do with it, you know, really thinking, okay, we're in the West, um, like women's rights are definitely achieved in a big way. Why is this happening and what do I do to help? And there was this hopelessness and helplessness that I felt watching that happen in front of me. And so it really solidified my desire to be a protector in my career in some way to protect and help people. And that was what really solidified my path in counterterrorism. So which is an interesting way to start, you know, like who would say that watching some man hit his wife in the street would make them think of counterterrorism. But I was already studying politics and justice, and this was just a really in topic. And, you know, I think a lot of people remember where they were on 9-11. I certainly remember where I was, you know, in high school. And it really just made a huge difference in who I was as a person. I think the political climate does. And so from there, I did everything I could to prepare myself for my career in the CIA. I polished my French to fluency. I learned Arabic at UCLA. I'm an Angelino, so in Los Angeles at UCLA, um, right after yeah. going to grad school. And yeah, I went to grad school in London, which is quite the place to go to grad school. It's a very colorful place. I think to learn and my de- my degree, people always make fun of me now, but my degree was in war war studies war <laughs> studies I, I did see that so yeah. was how did you what i couldn't find was how you chose london was that because of that degree there or how did you how did you end up in london there yeah i had just kind of heard that the uh, government loves people with international experience yeah. and i thought that i could get more there i also just love the program um king's college in london is a top 20 or top 30 school in the world yeah. and i just thought it could be a really amazing experience and to be honest scott i thought it was kind of a study abroad but it wasn't it was definitely grad school um the most study abroad that I did there was going to the British library and with my <laughs> every day I thought I'd travel and country hop and that didn't happen. But I'm really, really grateful for that education. And it's funny because now I'm getting a, a master's in spiritual psychology. And the other day somebody came up to me and they said, did one of your master's degree cause the other one? You know, like <laughs> – did the war one make you want a spiritual one? Uh, which is po- as possible, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to come back to that because I've got questions about uh, about that as well. But you, uh, what, what is there anything else along the way? And I know that that's a big part of yeah. your story that that you witnessed that hitting take place. I'm, yeah. I'm struggling to even figure out what to call it. Like it's. Yeah. Truly yeah, no, not. Call it. Yeah, it's yeah. obviously terrible, but yeah, it's just terrible. Um, yeah, no. After that, I finished my master's degree, moved home to Los Angeles, was carrying my torch, thought that I would be in the CIA in no time, and then I learned that it takes about a year and change to get into the government once you go through a security clearance process, which is really uh, intense process. Yeah. You know, they call everyone in your life including, you know, distant friends that don't even remember you anymore. <laughs> and they know every move you've ever made, every country you've ever been. So with that, there was this long process. I started applying for jobs, applying for jobs. And after six months of really nothing but rejection emails, I kind of just realized, like, I'm lucky to even have a job. That was the story I told myself. So from there, I just sort of started applying for any old job that I could get, and it really just lowered my standards. And it was a really devastating time to put so much money, time, and heart into my education, only to find out, like so many other people, that it wasn't going to translate for me right now into that job that I thought I deserved, that I thought was possible for me. So from there, I ended up ex- accepting a job offer 
as an admin assistant in Los Angeles making 30K, which my LA people know that 30K when you have college loans, a car payment and rent to pay, uh, it's just not going to do it. Like you just can't make ends meet on that once taxes are taken out, especially. So it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Maybe I could live in a different state and things would be a lot prettier. I definitely enjoy looking at different states and looking at their their price of rent, their price of homes. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, I could live so big, um, but not here. So I really, really struggled to pay my bills. And that was a really heart-wrenching experience to realize that all of this hard work just really wasn't translating. And then not to even mention the job itself. You know, um, there wasn't much room to grow. I had an awesome boss, which is more than a lot of people could say. She was an amazing woman. But there was, I was getting nowhere in that job. And I remember looking online and I saw a career fair in Washington, D.C. about six months into my job. And I just don't know what came over me, but I quit my job um, and moved to Washington, D.C. with about $3,000 in my bank account. And I was just motivated. I, I've never been so motivated. I, even even as a, a business owner, I don't think I've ever had that fire that came over me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Back up yeah. here. Yeah. So <laughs> there must be something in there, mm-hmm. something that uh, that caused you to do it. Uh, I, I'm guessing you didn't just wake up blindly and you know get in get in your car and pack up stuff and and kind move of. over there. No, I kind of did because it was my dream. It didn't happen. I applied. I let go of my dream. Got this job, and I found this career fair. And something came over me. It was like you got to go. I want to go. I want to get a job there. Um, and you, yeah, it was about a month later. I gave notice, and I literally flew to DC with two suitcases. I found some random room to rent on Constitution Avenue. Yeah, it really was like so, that. But was it simmering in the background the whole time? Of course, yeah. Okay. Just the disappointment, you know, the disappointment that this was what it was going to be after all the studying and learning about war for, you know, years. Yeah. Realizing that I wasn't going to use that knowledge unless I really took my life by the reins. And that's something that I love to impart to clients as a career and business coach. It's like, you get to choose when your life starts, when your life changes and what you want it to look like. It's really a choice, you know, and I think that was just a time that I made a choice. So what did that feel like then as you were making that move? Uh, I was petrified and I didn't have financial support outside of myself. So doing the math, I really had about eight weeks before I would run out of money. And, you know, the and I don't, I don't recommend people do this. Side note. <laughs> Anyone who's listening, you know, I think it's better to try and get that job without moving cold turkey like I did. But it was a lesson. I got a lot out of it and it worked out for me. Um, And I only caution people because I've coached so many different people in their careers. Uh, And it's not for everyone what I did. It's really not for everyone. But in eight weeks, I ended up meeting all these women. One of them, she started a company, and I just love her. Her name is Jane Mosbacher Morris, and she was a counterterrorism advisor at the State Department in her mid-20s. She was very young, and she was just a power woman, and she would sit me down and talk to me, and now she's founded an entrepreneur, uh, what is it? It's a, a social platform to sell goods. It's called to the market. And so now she's, she's an entrepreneur as well. She's left the government. Mm-hmm. But at that time, she really helped me immensely. Like she went out of her way to help me in my job hunt. And there were so many other women just like her. And they would all talk about coaches. They would say, oh, well, I have a lot of success because my coach helped me. And I would be like a sports coach, you know, like what <laughs> kind of coach are you talking about? And it was really through these women that I learned some job hunting skills. And then I started to find my own flow and I got a flood of job offers and job interviews in about six weeks. So the first couple of weeks, I was falling on my face. Uh, the second half, I started getting job offers. And um, yeah, I ended up accepting a job running a program for the Pentagon. So literally in one six-week job hunt, I went from an admin assistant to an executive. So let me ask you, well, I've got like 17 questions in my head <laughs> here, but... <laughs> And, I got and I, I, time you need. Well, here's question number one. So this is more of a, um, I don't know, take on a, a philosophy, maybe even question mixed with some other stuff. But uh, I've said the same thing 
that I just heard you say in that, hey, I wouldn't recommend this to anybody else. I went over there with eight weeks runway and you know not much else. And, and I've, I've heard, I've heard myself say things that are really, really similar. I also, now that uh, I've been able to talk to, I don't know, uh, well over a hundred people on this show, I've heard that same thing uttered again and again and again, Mm -hmm. where people have that story Mm -hmm. themselves, Mm -hmm. where they've done something that they absolutely would not recommend to to somebody else, but it's paid off for them. So yeah. Why, first of all, like, why do you think that it paid off for you? Was it the fact that you had only eight weeks and you had that pressure or built in or something else along those lines? And two, is that really what you and I and everybody else I've talked to should be recommending to people? Right. That's a great question. Well, you know, I think I'm the typical coach. I would say I would never wish my pain upon someone, but I would wish my lessons learned. So I think that it was worth all the lessons that I learned. That being said, not everyone is divinely cut to put themselves through that kind of stress and risk. You know, there's, we are all made up differently. And I think that's what makes the world such a great place. And I am the type of person who loves risks. Like I take Mm -hmm. risks all the time. I'm a big risk taker. Um, I'm big in business with taking risks. Um, and, and there are big financial risks too. You know, I'll put a lot of money out to see if something will work because I have the thrill of creativity behind me and I'd rather take the risk to see it through. Some people don't work that way. Yes. Um, and, and I really honor that. You know, I think that the difference between success and failure sometimes is a personality, you know, a different type of personality. So yeah, I think not recommending what you did to everyone, but also if somebody sees themselves in you and they're, they want to hustle like that, why not? So for you then, mm-hmm. did that additional pressure help having only yeah. eight weeks or like what you obviously went out there, started meeting people, yeah. uh, those people and th- those people's experiences obviously led you down a completely different road than if, uh, if you didn't have those connections and relationships and, um, and I guess building on, on their shoulders, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah. So what, yeah. I I love the rush. I love the rush. I love the stress. No matter how much I could ever complain about it privately, I enjoy it. It's like a sick relationship that I have with stress. Um, I don't know. Like the pressure uh, really fuels me. Like the pressure of getting something done, deadlines. I create deadlines for myself because I need that, you know, and I know that about myself. I do the same thing, but I'm really curious with what uh, what you just said about stress. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you mean by that? Expand on that for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody has a different way of experiencing stress. The way that I see it is it's just a flow of energy moving through your body and you can call it whatever you want. So some people will call it stress and that's the language I'm speaking in. I actually just call it excitement. Like it's just energy and I live better when I've got energy flowing through me and I'm in motion. Um, I'm the type of person, like for example, I do VIP days with business coaching clients and there will be a new coach or some sort of entrepreneur and I'll sit down with them and it's like, we'll finish our VIP day workday around 6 or 7 or 8 p.m. And I cannot go to sleep because I'm just beaming with energy and yes. thought and creativity. Uh, you can just hear me talking from it. You know, it's like I get high off of it. And so I guess, you know, some people could call it stress. I call it excitement. I remember, um, geez, no, I was going to say I remember. Now I can't remember what the name of the book was. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when that happens, but I, I, I think it was called How to Wow by Francis Somebody. I, I think I read it like 10 years ago, and that was the very, very first time I was introduced to the concept of being able to and this kind of sounds woo-woo, but I, I've started to understand some of the science behind it a little bit more. But really being able to take different types of energy, like you're talking about, because it's really just all energy in mm-hmm. some facet or another, and then being able to harness it into what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and in most cases, excitement is a great way to go. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious if, one, have you really gotten into into that realm um, or, or, uh, or even the science behind some of that? And and then just your thoughts on, on it additionally, since that sounds like something that you have leveraged. You're talking about like spiritual psychology and mindset work? Potentially. Yeah. yeah. I think there's yeah. a lot of different ways that, uh, that you can go in the different ways that people look at that. But Yeah, no. I mean, one of my favorite quotes in the whole world, and I say it all the time and I think it all the time, is from Albert Einstein. He said, you can't 
solve problems from the same level of thinking that created them. And it's so true. It's, and it's the same, it, it really, the same way of looking at it would be you can't create things, uh, from a, from a level of thinking that's never created them before. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think that your mindset's such a big deal. You hear a lot of entrepreneurs talk about it. I right. found it was kind of the secret of successful entrepreneurs. I was shocked to see how many are spiritual and connected to purpose and mindset and releasing and healing. I didn't know that that was such a big part of playing big in business. And it wasn't until I started having dreams that were so much bigger than myself that I realized it was a byproduct of the work that I've done on believing what's true about me as a divine being who can create, innovate, and make an impact on the world. Yeah. You know, and I also remember with money, you know, everybody has a different mindset about money, of course, and we're all born with a blueprint and different wounds that we've endured as a result of our upbringing. You know, maybe your parents were frugal, maybe they overspent, maybe they were in debt, whatever it is, it creates kind of a battle scar. I think in everybody, everybody remembers how their parents behaved with money. And for me, they, it wasn't like necessarily a battle wound, but I definitely had limiting beliefs about what I could have. I didn't really think that having a multi-million dollar home or something like that was possible for me at all. Like I didn't think there was any way, in not in this lifetime, that I would create those things. And it was through my mindset work that that's shifted, that belief system has shifted. And as a result, my behavior has shifted. My goals have shifted. The decisions I make have shifted. I come from my vision all the time. Do you remember any of the points in time where you realized that it had shifted so much for mm, you? Yeah. Gosh, there's so many. I would say one of the biggest moments yeah. was probably even recently where I was kind of telling you earlier, Scott, like I've yeah. transitioned to uh, creating a lot of passive selling systems in my business. So yep. I, I sell an e-course for job hunters and it really, it's like my brainchild. It means a lot to me. It's everything I know about job hunting. And it took me about a year and a half to two years to really create the information, organize it in a way that that job seekers can, can digest. Uh, and it's called the Limitless Career Lab. And I do a free training every now and again to help job seekers at landmorejoboffers.com, but also to introduce them to my course. And I remember my mindset shift. I mean, I already believed it was possible, but I hadn't seen it was possible. Where I had this vision, I was like, oh my gosh, what would it be like if I could have a hundred people a month joining my course and I could help them get a job? You know, what would that be like? And it was more kind of of a dream. But actually, in the past two months, I've hit that number where 100 people are joining my course each month. And it kind of it kind of hit me one day when I was sitting with my bookkeeper and she said, 100 people joined your course? 100? And she looked at me. She looked at my books. And I said, yeah, like it was nothing, you know? Yeah, 100 people. 100 people this month. And she just kind of looked at me like, I was a unicorn, you know, um, and it was kind of through her look at me that I kind of thought, wow, my mind has shifted because this is a new normal for me and I'm treating it as if it's normal. So I was laughing for two different reasons. One, I'm constantly amazed by the amount of time unicorn comes up on this show. Ah! Not something I would have guessed two years ago when I started it, but that's awesome. <laughs> and the secondarily, you know, that's, uh, that's just funny in itself. And Let me cut back in here for a second. I want you to meet Tracy. I'm Tracy and I'm from San Diego. I am a microbiology lab supervisor at a medical device and diagnostics company here in town. Before Tracy found our eight day figure it out course, here's what life was like for her. I was drowning in debt and seriously struggling to find a way out of it. I've got student loans. <laughs> from the late 90s that I'm trying to pay down as well as a car loan. Okay, now you might be thinking, what does debt have to do with Tracy's career? And what does any of this have to do with this eight-day figure-it-out course? And this course really helped me to gain a lot of clarity around what was important to me and helped me to see possibilities beyond my current situation. So with that, I've actually started a small virtual assistant business on the side and I have been able to 
seriously accelerate my debt repayment plan. I will be completely debt-free in just over two years from now. Wow. Congratulations, Tracy. We love hearing stories just like that one. Now, if you want that type of clarity that can help you move forward in your life, here's what you can do. Just text HTYC to 38470, HTYC to 38470, or just visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. So what do you think then looking into the future? And then I want to come back to your story because I'm still fascinated by your story in the first place. But what do you think is some of the next mindset shifts for where Mm. you're going? Mm. You know, I think that as an entrepreneur who gives her business everything she's got, and I think there's a lot of us probably listening on the line, I I invested everything in my company. I really did. I mean, I could make $100,000 and I would put 105 in. I love this business and I'm so passionate about it. And I think one of the biggest mindset shifts is moving from investing in the business all the time to accepting the profits that really come with being a business owner. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially coaches who end up hiring me, confide in me that they are in debt, you know, and I think that's the biggest mindset shift that I've been working on is really starting to look at my expenses saying, do I really need this person in my business? Do I really need to hire this employee? What are they going to do? I'm being much more discerning and much more discriminate about what my needs are and how to have profits. So, um, you know, if you have thousands of dollars of revenue coming in as an entrepreneur, but you're spending 10 times that, you know, and that's the case for a lot of people. Um, You're just working really hard, you know, for everyone else. And so one thing that I really learned to become more masterful in with my mindset is kind of going from employee to CEO and going out of the mindset of having to work, 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 work for this business and into the mindset of how to manage and scale it all the time. Very cool. And I'm, as you can tell, I'm like always, I'm always fascinated by yeah, no, I uh, love it. that, that sort of thing and that progression that happens too. And I've ex- certainly experienced that with, with myself in a whole bunch of different points. But the cool thing is I get to, I get to ask other people about like their own experiences too and what's to happen. But I do want to come back for just a second because we left off where you were in DC Mm-hmm. And you just started getting a bunch of job offers mm-hmm. and then we left people hanging. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I want, I know people are like, Scott, why'd you leave the rest of the story out? That's so funny. So, you know, it's so funny. It's like as entrepreneurs, we all have our own story. And sometimes I think it's that I want to get more creative with my story, but it just is what it is. And so I'm bored with myself and I'm like, eh, I'm gone. <laughs> but really it's interesting. And I remember that, you know? Um, so thanks for pointing that out because sometimes I think I'm just not that interesting. Um, yeah. So I accepted a position as a defense contractor. Yeah. I was 23 years old and I just made this quantum leap and I almost quadrupled my salary. So I hit the six figure mark as this young employee at a defense contracting firm. Uh, and so my work was really for the Pentagon and at the Pentagon a lot of the times or on different military bases. And a lot of the jobs that I had received and offers that I had received were kind of similar to this. They were all in the national security and defense space. And I was really fascinated by it. You know, I've always loved a good war book. I've always gotten really into the spy movies. Not that that's any indicator of having a spying career, obviously. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I was really, really excited to be in the thick of that space, especially during a time where NATO was going to withdraw from from Afghanistan uh, in 2011. And I was in, I was working on Afghanistan in 2010, 2011. So it was a really exciting time or it was 2012 with NATO. So yeah, it was just a really exciting time. And um, gosh, it got me thinking because I haven't even thought about this. I know, of, but I, yeah. I, I think that... At some point, you ended up Making not being pivot. excited about that. Yeah, like exactly. some point, like you, you at some yeah. point, you went the other direction, and now we're talking about passive income and all kinds of things along yes. those lines. So, what happened in between there for you? 
Yeah. Well, what happened really was that all my friends started asking me for help because I'd gotten all these job offers and they really wanted help too. They wanted to make a quantum leap. And I started kind of advising them on my little step-by-step process that I was using to get job offers. And the more people who got job offers, the more excited I would get about it. And I found myself, you know, with the Pentagon, I was traveling to different military bases across the country. I was preparing senior government officials for their deployment to Afghanistan. They were all civilians uh, really being put on the front lines of the war on terror with the goal of helping the Afghan government govern itself upon NATO's withdrawal. So that was kind of where I came into foreign affairs. I was helping prepare these people for their deployments on military bases. So we would do simulated exercises and tactical exercises to really prepare them for their move. Uh, and I and I was with them for about eight to 10 weeks during this process of preparing. And on the last day that I was with them, they would get on a plane and head to Kabul, uh, Afghanistan. So that was the nature of the work I was doing. But I was so high off of helping people get job offers. And I think one thing that was really missing for me in government was not being able to see anything full circle. It's kind of like- Like, you know what Karl Marx said about the Industrial Revolution? He talks about how when the Industrial Revolution came, there was no gratification in your work. Like, the Mm. fact worker would never make the whole chair anymore. They would just make a part of the chair. Like, that's how I felt within the government. I felt like I was the part of something, but I couldn't really see the wholeness of it and where it was translating and how it was translating. So I started to feel like a government cog in a wheel, even though I was doing really interesting work that was making a difference in the world. And it was kind of through that that I started to feel more disconnected. And also, I really just didn't understand my own fear of bloodshed. Because let me tell you, you know, when you are thinking about helping the world, you kind of think to yourself, well, my desire to be of service is going to outweigh any desire that I have or any fear that I have of blood or any fear that I have of the unknown. That was kind of where I was at. I had this desire to be a public servant so deep that I thought, well, you know, no matter how dirty and dark it can get, I have a purpose. But when I started really working alongside people who were risking their lives, and I was supposed to go to Afghanistan uh, within a week of what I I saw a car bombing where I would have been, and mm-hmm. it just really sat sunk into me like this is not the life I actually want to have, and really just being able to start to sink that in. So I think the combination of that happening, you know, I'm 23 years old and I'm young and. And trying to figure myself out, really committed. And of course, there's that desire to hold on to a plan for the sake of having a plan. You know, like I think so many people do that where they think, well, I've given X amount of years to this. And so I need to lay out like, you know, roll over and do it all because I've just given this much time to it. Um, I don't come from that thinking. I only let myself buy into that for only so long. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm just noticing all these people I'm helping get job offers. And one person joked, like, should I give you a fee? Because I just got a $40,000 raise because of what you told me to do. I'm like, no, no, that's fine. I'm glad you did that. Um, and, and yeah, it was like shortly into that point where I started to actually take people more seriously when they said, you're so young, you're in this leadership role. You know, I'm 35. You're making a better living than me. And you just helped me get a raise. You should be a career coach. Isn't that funny that you have to, (laughs) like so many other people have to tell you that before Mm -hmm. you realize that, yeah, this is true or accurate or valuable or Mm -hmm. I don't know, insert your adjective here, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really an amazing thing, honestly, to really see how other people see you Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that was a huge thing for me. And now I've done so much work on myself that I try to see myself in the best, strongest light that I can. And I try to treat myself with much more love and and healing and work on myself so that I don't buy into any sort of belief system that I'm not enough or I'm lacking in some way. But I have to admit at that point in my career, like people's feedback really played a role in my confidence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then you were don't, don't, don't leave me hanging again. So you're at the point where you are, (laughs) where you're getting all this feedback and started realizing, Hey, there's actually something to this. 
and yeah. people are getting $40,000 raises and mm-hmm. they're like, so where do I send the check? And, and you're like, yep. no, no. And no. so what happened from there? Yeah. yeah. I ended up just wanting to move home to Los Angeles, which is where my life really is. And I got a bunch of job offers that had kind of leaked over from my older job hunt. Like months yeah. later, I was yeah. still getting job offers from all the legwork. And so one of them came from LA and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to take this. So I gave notice. I moved home to LA. I was really scared. Like, am I making the right choice? I ended up taking a job that was a management level job at a political risk consultancy called Control Risks, where I was managing the threat team for a Fortune 500 client who does business all over the world. So I had a team of intelligence analysts who were monitoring risks and threats, uh, terrorism, you name it, all sorts of different risks in foreign countries. They were monitoring intelligence and reporting back to this corporation that I was I was helping manage their threat team for. Mm-hmm. And even then it was the same itch, you know, like, God, I still miss help. I still love helping people get a job. Anytime people would come up to me, I need a new job. I would be so all over it, you know, which it took me a while to learn only later that it's a trademark of poor coaching to coach people without having an official relationship. Um, so I try now to really hold it as sacred, but at the time I just would have coached anyone who came up to me on how to get their job offers. And Eventually, I decided to hire a coach myself and really learned what it took, what it looked like, if it was feasible. And this per- particular coach that I hired, uh, now she is, she only takes on, I believe, three clients a year. Uh, and, and she expects, I believe it's like a six figure investment. But at the time, I was her first client. And she was amazing. Like she just helped me learn how to launch my business, learn how to actually coach people because it's about so much more than just the job hunt. You know, coaching is not just about the external result, as you know, Scott. I mean, it's about mentally getting on the same level and the same vibration as the result that you want. Yeah. And so the the mastery of coaching itself was something that I had to learn. Do you mind if I ask who your first coach was that you're talking about? She comes from University of Santa Monica, which is where I am now. Yeah. Um, and they've all asked to remain confidential, which I was kind of surprised by because I thought, why can't I just spread the word about how awesome you are? Um, but they come from a collective of coaches at University of Santa Monica. Um, one of the coaches in that collective is Steve Chandler. He wrote the book Prosperous Coach, which is yeah. a fantastic book for any coach. Have you read that before, Scott? I haven't. It's been recommended to me a couple of times. I, That's amazing. I haven't moved it up far enough on my, I have this big list of books and never know. Gotta move it up. It's and, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I'll move it up. So that's the point in time where where the business actually was started. You got mm-hmm. help from uh, mystery coach number one out mm-hmm. of the collective, mm-hmm. and then wh- what? Uh, how how long ago was that? First of all, how are we talking? That was three years ago. That was early. No, that was even four years ago. That was twenty twelve. That was twenty twelve, like around the end of twenty twelve, early twenty thirteen, Jan- December January. So when you started working, you started getting some of your first uh, first clients. Mm-hmm. Like what what were the people that you loved to work with at that point in time? I loved helping twenty somethings figure out what they wanted to do with their lives and get a job offer at the end. And it was so much fun. I had filled my practice really quickly just as a result of having a coach. And you know, as you know, it's like having mentorship just changes everything. Oh yeah. Takes, takes, spares you years of, of guessing and DIY everything, you know? So I learned a lot from this coach. And, and as a result, I started getting tons of clients. I'd booked up with a wait list in four months. And that was kind of a mind blowing, that talk about a mindset shift. Like, you know, it's same thing. People, other coaches would look at me like, you're booked. You have a wait list. You started four months ago. That was another mindset moment where it was like, oh, wow, what, what am I doing, you know, to, call this in. And, you know, if there's anything I've learned in business, it's like, you're not special. You're just using good strategies. I mean, everybody's special in their own unique way, but it's not like I'm magical and I create results. It's like I learn strategies and I implement them to create results. So that's what I was doing. And about a year into it, I started creating my online program for job seekers because I wanted everyone to be able to afford help to get the job that they wanted. And I launched that in late, I would know, what was it? Early 2014. 
I launched that. I gave a TED Talk in 2014, which was really exciting. Yeah. And uh, that was amazing. They had invited me because of my work experience in counterterrorism. But I pulled a total doozy on TED and just decided to talk about career. <laughs> Way to go. Chalk one yeah, up for career. Yeah, you got to. You got to. I was like, well, I'm not that interested in counterterrorism anymore. I'm going to talk that about That sounds it. nice, but no. I love that you have an agenda. Me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. Yeah. So I did that um, in February 2014, which was, I mean, an amazing gift, really a gift to have a talk like that that can impact lives and, and give you an opportunity to share what you have to say. I mean, it was just, I, I remember, I remember actually being afraid they would take it away from me. Like they would change their mind about having me. <laughs> <laughs> I got this talk and I used to say, okay, okay, but don't tell anyone because they might change their mind and might not <laughs> make the talk anymore. <laughs> oh, that cracks me up a lot. Yeah. It's just what it is, right? Like, you know, when you get big opportunities, so uh, something that you I just heard you say a couple of times, like um, <laughs> you talked about being able to reach more people and the amount of people that you'd be able to reach. And yeah. I, I think if you would ask me um, maybe five years ago, six years ago, something like that, I used to hear people say that all the time. And I used to, in my head, transpose that to, well, that just makes you more money or that just, yeah. you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's what I used to hear. And only now do I understand more about that. Mm -hmm. A lot more where, um, you know, I, I used to hear people say things like, um, well, I created a course so that, uh, so that, uh, I could end up reaching more people because so many people were, you know, emailing me or something else along those lines. And, and now I can actually get that same information cause I couldn't be able to talk to everybody that sort of thing. You've, mm -hmm. you've probably heard that. I don't know yeah. way too many times, especially yeah. in, uh, yeah, I do. internet I'm space. Totally. I think that the internet space, like that's something I'm working on right now is really figuring out like, how do I express myself in a way that doesn't sound like everybody else? Yeah. Especially because I started my practice four years ago. There were no career coaches to millennials, let alone business coaches to millennials, because in order to be a millennial coaching millennials, you had to have a certain level of experience to, to reference, you know? Yeah. Um, so I kind of came in when it wasn't a thing. I didn't, I didn't see anyone online doing it. So I was especially random. And everybody would cock my head at me like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? And now I have gotten, you know, emails from my team that people are copying my website or which I don't even think <laughs> is that interesting. I'm like, oh my gosh, they should copy a more interesting website because mine's not that good. But, um, you know, it's like, I get email, you know, people, I found out that someone in Europe copied my system, my program, repackaged it. I mean, stuff like that's starting to happen. And it's really, I mean, I'm not flattered necessarily by it, but I, it, I am appreciative because it really keeps me on my toes when I'm innovating and I find out that it's being taken or being copied or being ripped off. I kind of think, okay, well, I got to appreciate these people because they're keeping me moving. Like I might get lazy without them, you know, and it's really because of these experiences where I'm really looking for my own voice, you know, like who am I? And this is something I would encourage anyone, you know, and I also understand anyone who's copying or doesn't have their own voice, like they're just afraid, you know, and I have a lot of compassion for that, that kind of fear, because I had that fear when I started, like that I don't have something valuable to say or that I couldn't trust my own words. Uh, so, yeah, I really resonate with what you're saying, Scott, that the in online space, it's like everyone's justifying money and talking in the same way. And well, I, I think that. though. I think I meant two things from that. One, um, when you say that and just, you know, having done research on you before we had that on the show and everything along those lines, I, I believe you when, when you say that, even though, uh, sometimes it is used as a marketing ploy, uh, at the same time, I don't think I really understood it until I got there too. And I think yeah. you sort of have to arrive at that where, I mean, I literally have hundreds of emails in my box that I can't answer right now yep. that are asking the same types of questions over and 100%. over again. And, you know, I, it's like, oh, oh, this is a real thing mm -hmm. um, where it's like, yeah, I really, really in, you know, you are a very, very genuine person. And I, I believe you when, when you say that, Hey, I really want to help these people. And I feel very much the same way. And yeah, like I, 
I love that you have created a course in with that intention in mind. Mm-hmm. So yes. I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting phenomena realization, maybe even my own mental junk too, getting in the way five years ago mm-hmm. where I would hear people say that and transpose that into, well, you just want me to buy your course type thing. Well, you also kind of have to pay attention to like, what does it mean to uh, help people? Because yeah, yeah. you got to help yourself. You have to look after yourself. Like if you don't have anything in your cup to give, if you're not taking care of you, yeah, uh, you can become bitter. You can become tired and jaded. And it's like, you know, I, I totally understand where you're at. It's like I have hundreds of emails every day. And for the longest time, if I couldn't get back to someone, I would judge myself for it. Yeah. You know, I'd be so oh, yeah. hard on myself. And it was really a life-changing moment for me. You know, another mindset shift to release the responsibility for that. Like I can't help everyone because if I try to, I'd be able to help no one, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is not at all where I expected this conversation to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's totally okay. This is uh this is this is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um what what are you excited about right now and upcoming mm-hmm. for for you? Yeah, gosh, there's so many things I'm excited about. Uh right now I'm coaching all sorts of different entrepreneurs and how to get more clients in their business. I'm really excited about them. Uh, they're starting to get some traction. I just started with a new cohort uh, as of a month ago. And that gets me really excited to hear from them over email and see what they're doing. Um, I'm also really excited. I'm scaling my Limitless Career Lab program. I'm offering free trainings at landmorejoboffers.com. That's really exciting to me, being able to help people. I love their questions. I get really excited when I offer free workshops online. Um, and I'm also the most excited probably to just really deepen the impact that I know I can have with this course if I keep staying focused, if I keep staying on top of the ball with it. And so that's where all my energy is really going is into my private practice with my business coaching clients and with my job hunting course uh, for job seekers in 12 countries right now. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Well, two other questions before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. And since you've delved very much into both helping people get jobs and also helping people get businesses started, mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious for everyone who's listening to this, all the HTYCers out there, if they're in that place where they want to get started in either of those, and let's take them one at a time, mm-hmm. what would you advise them to do? Let's say that they are in, in the place where they know that they want to make a change they're ready to make a change and <laughs> they want to get going. What, yeah. uh, where do they even start? I would say the first thing to really note is for these people who are starting a business to really get crystal clear on who you want to serve and to really understand that what you create is about them and not just about you. So instead of putting your stake in the ground and thinking, this is what I want to offer, really thinking, well, who do I want to help and what do they need and how can I provide that? Um, and, and do some market research. Go on to chat groups on Yahoo Answers and Quora. Go online and see what kind of problems they're talking about so that you can really start to write down in their language how they're talking and what issues there are for them. I would say, you know, on top of creating a website, craft a signature talk, some sort of speaking engagement talk that you can give time and time again and really master that one talk that can help you get out there and get clients. That would be probably the quickest way for me to help someone with business. Um, As for job seekers, I would say head over to my free training at landmorejoboffers.com. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And also get help if you need help. Like there's nothing glamorous about struggling alone. You don't need to do that. I think a lot of job seekers spend so much time applying for jobs online and that's not going to help them. So stop applying for jobs online, start networking with people and get help if you are drawing a blank on how to do that. Very cool. Hey, I, I so much appreciate you making the time. Um, and behind the scenes, we, uh, this is our second attempt at it and it actually worked out really, really well. 
So I'm, I'm glad that we were able to get together and do this. Thank you so very much for having me, Scott. You take care. We talk a lot about mindset shifts in this interview. And sometimes in order to experience the shifts in mindset you need to be able to get where you want to go, it requires asking for help. And guess what? We can help. So there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can drop us an email. Just drop uh, me an email, scott at com, And either me or somebody on my team will make sure that we can help you get where you want to go. Just tell us your situation and you know what, what it is you're facing right now. And we've got lots of different ways that we can help. If it has anything to do with your career and there's something stopping you right now, guess what? We can probably either help directly or put you in touch with somebody who can. It's, it's kind of what we do around here. So I, I, I don't always do this, but hey, drop me an email directly. Let me know how things are going for you. And also let me know what, uh, what's going on in your world and, and what you need help with. And if it has to do with your life and your career, guess what? I suspect that we can probably point you in the right direction. Even if we can't get you help, I bet we know somebody who can. All right. Hey, thanks so much for for listening to the episode. I really appreciate it. I absolutely am thrilled to pieces that you choose to spend your time each week with us. Thanks for, for listening to the show. And I want you to know what's coming up next week on the HDYC podcast. We've got a conversation with somebody else who completely transformed their career and a very compelling story to go along with it. So take a quick listen right here. And I found myself in complete career stagnation. You know, this is the point of career, which I know many people have faced, where you really find it hard to even wake up in the morning, to go to work, you don't see the future, you look around yourself, it seems like everyone is doing better than you. And that was the point of time when it, it, be, it became so unbearable that I literally quit my job. Most information comes from literally four sources. So one is internet, Another one is family and friends. <laughs> and the third one is kind of career offices, career centers. And then the fourth one is companies. All right, that and more next week on the Happy to Your Career podcast. Make sure that if you haven't already, you subscribe on whatever podcast player that you listen to. That way you can get it in your sleep without having to do anything else and automate that part of your life. Makes, makes it much easier. Plus, you get your weekly dose of HTYC. Before we go, I want to I wanna say thanks because a lot of people have been going on and, and leaving us, taking the time to leave us ratings and reviews. That helps others find the show. It's, it's a huge, huge help, and it means the world to me. So I want to read one of these uh, left by Nicole Matheson. Nicole, thanks so much for taking the time to leave a review. But she says, this podcast has changed my life. Listening to the inspiring stories of others, hearing Scott's advice, and finally seeing there is no one way that fits all to a career and life really motivated me to take action and create change. I can't express enough how impactful Happen to Your Career truly is and how valuable these insights are. Scott provides a platform that allows you to take the time to really figure out what best fits you. And because that is the most important thing you can do for yourself and your future. Thanks, Nicole. Really appreciate it. All right, we'll see you all next time on the Happen to Your Career podcast. Adios. I'm out. <music>